What's cracking, lovely people? This is the Big Feed Up HQ podcast. Thank you for downloading the show and welcome along. The podcast focuses on nutrition, movement, outdoor experiences. I'm your host, Matt Gardner. And if you're new to the show, I've recorded over 100 episodes. So after you listen to this one, go back, look in the feed, uh, find some titles that resonate with you and have a listen. As always, if you like the show, please share it. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. I'm now on Spotify too. And leave me a rating. It basically just allows me to reach more people uh, with the show. So today, this is a, a really special conversation we connected online um fellow male nutritionist even though it's slightly different in terms of uh, the title but we'll get into that i've got Kwara simpson here and he is a west yorkshire dietitian uh chef uh, an actual ex-professional chef but if you delve into his instagram you know the chef vibes are still there so it's a huge part of what he does and he aims to provide inspiration and recipes that are quick, easy and fun to prepare without abundance of ingredients. So, mate, thanks for waiting patiently. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Definitely. Um, it's, when I got the invite, I was like over the moon. I said, well, this is what we need to be doing. Connected men to, you know, food intake and improving how our lives are in general. So definitely thanks for having me. No, mate, it's brilliant. I'm, re- I'm really looking to kind of picking out some of the strands and things and, and diving obviously into your background and what you've been doing since the pandemic and, and the lockdown period. We obviously connected online and we've chatted a bit before we've started recording. So I think for the listeners benefit, it would be brilliant to get to know a little bit about yourself and then how you obviously got into becoming a professional chef. Um, and then obviously we'll, we'll move forward into your, your dietetics work and, and um, you know, all your kind of recipe development and things like that. So, you know, we've got some cool things to cover, but I think that'd be a great place to start. So, um, yeah, it'd be cool to hear a bit more about, about yourself. So uh, I'll give a little version of um, a shorter version is when I left England with my mum and we went to Antigua. And when we lived in Antigua, I finished school, started to work, and I started working as a kitchen porter. And then I started to train as a chef. And as, as I started to train, I realized that there wasn't um, much opportunity for me because being a small island, the promotion rate was really small. You're waiting for people to retire. So born in, born in the UK, I said, right, I need to get back. And I got back to London. And I had I was part of an apprentice program with uh, the Conran Group, and they threw me because I was one of the older apprentices. They asked me, "Do do I want to go into one of the harder restaurants?" So I was, my my theory in life is go the hardest you can go because then everything else is easier. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know if um, I don't know if some people probably disagree with me when I'm doing that. So I went in the deep end. I went straight to Baker Street into a Michelin star restaurant called Diori and it was tough. (laughs) It was tough. So I did that for a couple of years, moved to Birmingham, was a head chef in Birmingham and um, my second child was born while I was in in Birmingham and that made things quite difficult because I was doing 16 hour shifts plus waking up at 5.30, you know, Doing, getting to 
prep and stuff up. It was it was a long shift, and what I really I needed a way to uh, balance work life and just you know see my family a bit more. So I started to search online, and it was sort of like, well, I need a nine to five job. Can I do a nine to five job after being a chef, which is quite active? I, I realized I was looking at the wrong, in the wrong places. I actually went to um, get a job as an EHO. So I was like, start to train and to research how to get, how to become an EHO. If, um, that's an environmental health specialist that goes around the restaurants and inspects restaurants and gives you the, the grade that you may see on the door. I know a lot of people don't pay attention to them, but they grade what's on the door. So I thought, this is cool. I get to still go into kitchens and have a bit of banter with chefs and be a nine to fiver. Wasn't the case. It's a bit of a lonely job. So I realized I needed to search more. And I, I found um, nutrition and then I found dietetics and then I got onto the dietetics course. <laughs> and I don't know if that answers the question of. Um, yeah, definitely, mate. Yeah, of course it does. And I think, you know, what I'm hearing is obviously, um, you know, you started work straight off the bat as soon as you could out in Antigua and things. And then you were really wanting to come come back here and, and like you said, kind of progress. And do you think it's because, you know, is it was it just your, your work ethic or like you said, you saw yourself as a budding chef and you wanted to move up the ranks? And then obviously when you got into, you know, that that cauldron of, of a Michelin star restaurant, you realised that actually, you know, it's going to be tough doing this long term and to be able to have a family and have, you know, energy levels. So it, you know, it's, it must've taken quite a lot of courage to, to move away from that because obviously you were pretty skilled by then, you know, incredibly skilled probably, but, um, you know, you probably maybe would have, would have burnt out if you hadn't have, have changed what you're doing. So yeah, it's, um, I applaud you for, you know, making that change. There's probably a lot of people, or you can tell me, obviously, that you used to work with that might still be, you know, deep into that and struggling. Yeah, they're, they're still contemplating the change. And to, to be honest, actually, it's, it's good talking to someone else because you can draw out some of the, the answers from it because you forget to actually tell people. Um, it took me two and a half years to actually make the decision to retrain and restudy as a um, dietitian mm. so i was sitting back and every time the, the reason why it took me so long is every time i applied to university and applied to do i had to do an access course i got a promotion and i got someone saying can you come and do this can you come and do that and i was and i was re- i'm paid a lot more as a chef than i am as a dietitian mm. and uh, and that's just how um, the hospitality industry works. If you work really hard and you get really high up, you can earn a lot of money. But on that side, you give a lot of your time and not giving your time means you're, you're losing money. So I gave a lot of my time. I became a freelance um, chef just to control my time a little bit more. Mm. So I was doing, uh, I was doing like full days. I'll do, um, I don't know, People know the Compass Group, so some of, some of the listeners may know the Compass Group and Sodexo. Uh, Sodexo is one of the biggest employers for dietitians in the US, mm. and the Compass Group, they're huge catering. Every university or 
colleges and schools, they have people running those um, kitchens for them. So working for them at um, big events such as Aintree and um, Cheltenham Festival, it was really good because I could go in and do five days work, which was worth two weeks of pay. And then I could just have a couple of weeks off, yeah. not worrying about fields and anything like that. Wow. So retraining back into a nine to five, it was it was a tough decision. And it, it pretty much did hit, hit the family for a while. Um, we're slowly recovering now. Mm. But it, it, was a, it was a hard um, change. Yeah, definitely. Oh, it's so good to get some insights, like you said, about changes in career. And, um, you know, especially people listening to this and working in the hospitality industry. Um, obviously not at the moment because... You know, so much of it's been devastated by the pandemic and things. But what ha- used to happen, you know, with, with some of the freelance work, again, I think that takes a, a lot of courage to to go and do that. And I think people, like you said there, they might not always be used to, you know, working and then having an extended period of time off because they feel like they, they can't. So I think I'll put that in the show notes. And that's always, you know, we always pick out some interesting resources when we have these long form discussions and then people can start to look into that, too. A couple of my um, mates that are still chefs. They are they're at home at the moment and they're itching. They're not they're not used to being at home on a Saturday. Um, you know, yeah. one or two Saturdays off, that's fine. But to be off permanently and not know what's happening, and I know a lot of places are closing down as as we speak. And yeah. that's, that's really sad and unfortunate. But you know. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, no, it is, but like you said, it's good, you know, and hopefully, like we were discussing before, even though it's not quite the same in person, just getting getting on the video with someone and having a bit of a chat and connecting calls and stuff like that is, um, you know, little bits that can help, mate. So, oh, it's nice. Yeah, it is hard. But look, if we dovetail into, um, so you started your, you know, your dietetics uh, degree qualification. It's interesting, obviously, because you came in with such a, you know, huge knowledge around food preparation and fine dining and all of those kind of things so obviously when when you were starting that study and learning a bit more about nutrition science and things like that you know it, it was interesting you know when you kind of interacted with other members on the course and then you started obviously t- going on placement and things like that um you know a lot of people obviously start from scratch that's their first kind of like right this is the career i want to do whereas you've had a huge life load before that <laughs> So how yeah, you know how yeah. how was that before we obviously go into what you're doing now how how was how was the the course and and I know I've discussed in a previous episode I'll put that in the show notes lovely people with Fran a, a fantastic dietitian as well gave some insights into studying and placements but you know what was it what was it like for you mate I, I, I had a really um, a fun fun cohort of students around and they they were they were awesome so you know I was the I was the adult learner at the time, and we would share we would share a lot of life lessons because I'm out of touch of what teenagers are doing, <laughs> and I've got um, two boys that are teenagers, so it was sort of like we we found common ground and we had a nice bridge. And when we would go into the kitchen, we would just approach things, and they would they would learn from me, and I would I would learn from what what they don't know. Because sometimes you forget what you don't know when you've been in it and you're cooking and you just grab things and you just get going, don't you? Mm. You don't always, you forget to tell people why you're doing something. And that's one of the um, 
the biggest things in um, just health in general. A lot of people don't know why they should do something and how they should cook it like this. Yeah. So um, we, we, we did a lot of experimentations in the kitchen. Brilliant. It was fun. Uh, yeah. That's really cool. And like you said, if you, you know, if you're used to obviously just working on the past, getting out brilliant plates of food, and now the new skill is obviously kind of discussing things as, as you're cooking or discussing things in class and things like that. And obviously you, you learn on a deeper level too, um, because then you've turned from obviously doing it behind the scenes to then doing doing things and trying to have to I- explain yourself and why and producing flavour or, you know, as we can maybe get into later, you know, certain certain foods that work well with each other from an absorption point of view or a texture point of view. You know, that's a huge thing because obviously you're working with so many different patients for so many difficulties in terms of, oh, everything, you know, swallowing and, and, and textures of food. And, you know, you can obviously discuss this a bit more on a deeper level, but, oh, that, you know, that, that, that's, re- that's really interesting. So you obviously work through that. And then um, did you start to go out to where was your first kind of interaction, you know, when, when you're in the thick of it in, in, in hospitals or on patients or, um, sorry, on wards or, or out in the community, like, you know, where did you first kind of start when you had the, you know, you had the dietitian badge on and you're ready to go? So, so it, the first time I went into the hospital was on a, a we have an A placement, B placement and C placement. And that was when I, being a um, mature student, that's what I, I was looking for the word, being a mature student, I found that I was often thrown at patients by my supervisors because they were sort of like, well, you seem to be able to can handle it. So just throw them at a patient. Mm. And I used to approach it really uh, trying to be clinical and it used to get me stuck a lot of the time because the patients would get stuck with all the clinical stuff that I was trying to throw at them, trying to share my clinical knowledge and they would often just look at me a bit baffled and I realised that I need to approach it a lot different. So I tried to approach things with just just being yourself really. Mm, Making them feel comfortable. Yeah. yeah, just be yourself, and, and we've got a wave of students starting um, next week, and um, my, my thing is just be yourself first, and then start to do your, your expertise of your nutrition, and then go into clinical side, mm. side of things, and then, then start to explore the person, and then the report should start to, to join naturally. Definitely. But if you don't be yourself, when you go in sort of from the backward point of view, being really clinical, then it, it kind of, I think it gets people's backs up, sort of, because they just don't know what you're talking about. Mm. So, be yourself first, build a rapport, and, and that's what I realised just from, when I tried to be too clinical, too early, supervisors like, I don't think that's you. That doesn't, that doesn't seem right. It was a bit staged. So, you know, I tried to, I tried to just relax. Mm. But, a placement was great. B placement was straight into the hospital. Um, I covered oncology, renal, diabetes, um, CF. Wow. And and a, and a few other. I was on the general general wards, so that was covering everything. That's amazing. So, Oh, I had a the the lady I spoke to um but before you that, that the podcast will actually be already out if you um by the time you're listening to this lovely people um uh, uh, Irish lady called Fiona she's a triathlete and she actually had a kidney transplant back in 2015 which just sounded 
you know, it is amazing what modern medicine and things do. And now she's a coach and flying and obviously, you know, it's 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 you know it's it's care on the deepest level isn't it getting through in that multidisciplinary team and i think you know you nailed it on the head the the personality side the insights and the experience you know make make the patient feel comfortable um and and you know i think the clinical stuff obviously you you want to be delivering you know the the level of care to get someone well but you know people can read um things if they need to they can listen to recordings you know if you're in there like you said it's it's trying to communicate things on a slightly different level and and look after the person because the rest of it can kind of come over you know in a, in, a, yeah. in a different way and then the last thing you want is that kind of cliche of patient you know healthcare practitioner looking looking down the glasses or whatever and just you know that person feeling feeling a bit stupid and sitting sitting at a chair and feeling very lost and or in a hospital bed and yeah, so so the tables turned and you're now obviously you're looking after young students and giving out your knowledge and you know your kind of uh, you know your way of doing things. That must feel really great because you're you've worked hard and now you can hopefully impart some some of those some of those knowledge bombs. Well, it was it was strange at first um, because you sort of like yeah, so used to people watching you as a student and and it is we do twelve weeks. Um, I may get this wrong. So we do twelve weeks on B placement, mm. and then our C placement is thirteen weeks, or it could be vice versa. I think it's the other way around. Mm. So it's a long time to be watched from eight thirty till four thirty. Wow! I found that the the hardest part of uh, my training to be a dietitian was just the constant being watched and knowing that you could be sort of like not marked down but you can be given feedback that could be sort of devastating um and just not feel could knock your confidence you know you could go to a different condition um like my favorite condition was the oncology ward and you could go off and you could go into diabetes and you could just get thrown with um, a load of medication and your your head just explodes and, and then you get some bad feedback and you just feel like you're, you're just not going anywhere. You feel like you're on that treadmill and you, you haven't progressed and you sort of like start comparing yourself against other students, which is the worst thing to do. So if any any students in any form of training, I think you just have to work on yourself. Um, you, if you start comparing yourself against other students, um, it, it's never going to end well because that you may be good at one thing and they may be good at another. Mm. And you just hope that, that to get them all to come together near the end. And that's the idea of a placement, that everyone gets to that same level of training near the end. But in between different times, not to put too much pressure on yourself. Definitely. Like I did anyway. Yeah, it's natural, isn't it? And I think, you're, you know, you're, you're, it sounds like you're someone who obviously in, in, invites those situations obviously you don't want stress but like you said from uh, from a younger age you know you wanted to go the hardest route and just see what you yeah. could do um and yeah like you said it's interesting you know it's looking back at your own your own values and, and your own skill set and understanding like you said there um you know the process it will come it's just repetition like you said if that's yeah. a certain medication to do with like you said, a a patient around, um, you know, control of blood sugar and things. And then once you've done it five, six times, you know, that rolls off the tongue. And then the rest of it is developing the kind of in-room presence and 
um you know yeah. all the other kind of procedures and things so um yeah no i think that's it's, it's a it's a good message to bring across um because yeah. obviously we all get stuck in the the you know the um the nuts and bolts of trying to be the best you know nutrition researcher practitioner you know know the most about all the contraindications of supplementation and and things like that obviously you guys do it on a way deeper level than me and you do question yourself i think but it's those kind of good and bad days and i think every you know you know as a practitioner how how kind of passionate you are and what you want to do and sometimes it doesn't always come off but as long you know as long as you're doing no harm and you're seeking advice and you're referring on when needed you know that's that's the key and then you can just you know you come back and you do you do better next time really isn't it yeah and, and i think um the key the key is repetition when when i was a chef i i felt like i needed to repeat recipes multiple times to make sure that they were the best recipe i could put myself forward and represent and the michelin star restaurants definitely taught me that because it wouldn't if it wasn't right oh, my computer's just cracked I've still got you. Right. I've still got you. Okay, right. Um, if you pause for a second, I'll just... Sure. We'll be back in a sec, lovely people. Right, we're back, lovely people. Cool, mate. So if we carry on a little bit around your recipe development, obviously um, grounded in in your Michelin star restaurant experience and working as a professional chef, head chef in Birmingham and things. And now obviously you've got, you've got the day job um, you're busy with the family and you're somehow also finding time to post, you know, brilliant meals on Instagram. So I think I looked recently, there were some banging fish cakes up there that you had and, and some, I think there were uh, balls and things like that too. So some, some, some brilliant stuff around fish. I think there's, was it a, a lemon drizzle cake too? Is there some kind of cake or something yeah, you put yeah, up recently? Yeah, that's, that's the um, latest one. Yeah. And, and that, that was actually developed with, um, with my son, um, my oldest son. So he, he wanted to do an orange cake. And from the orange cake, we, we developed a lemon drizzle one. And then we wanted to do a lime cake. And the, the whole, the whole, my whole Instagram page, um, sort of like came back to life because if you go past, um, this year into the old years, it's not sort of anything to do with, um, nutrition as to speak or dietetics. Mm. It doesn't really say what I'm doing. It's just a page and the lockdown made me, made me think, okay, what, what can I do to keep myself a bit more active? And just to do something that I was passionate about, which was um, showcasing food that people can do. And when I, when I was a student, I worked with dads and lads. So it's sort of like we do a non-clinical placement. So just to throw that back in on the reason why I started to do more on my page was I, I worked with dads and lads, which were um, troubled, troubled dads, which had young children. So the, the dads were stuck in their twenties, their, their children were, you know, young ages, um, getting expelled from school. So I went and did a project with the local council where I was cooking with them and showing them how to make quick and easy food. And because they had some learning difficulties, I really had to make things as simple as I, I could. 
but still make it really nice. And so we did things like omelets, brownies. We did a, loads of things that maybe were just like four ingredients at the most and just quick and easy. So they, because otherwise their attention was gone and they would just start acting up. So you have to keep it really under half an hour, mm. otherwise you've lost them. Mm. And the taste just had to keep them going. So with the Instagram page, I said, right, I need to try and do something where other parents, other dads can, can follow and maybe feel happy just doing one recipe a week and just, you know, cooking from scratch, really. Because mm. believe it or not, a lot of people don't cook from scratch. I think when we're in our own little world of nutritionists, dietitians, health promoters, we, we, we assume that everyone has got the ability to cook from scratch. And, and a lot of the times, um, that's not the case. So mm. that's quite difficult uh, to tell people to bake from scratch. My nephew came down and he hadn't um, ever baked a cake. So he, he's 10 years old and he hadn't ever baked a cake. And I, I felt really honoured to do that with him for the first time. So if there's any parents out there and you've got family members, check in on them, see if they have you baked a cake before from scratch. And if they haven't, you can be the first to do that with them. Yeah. So I, I did feel quite special. That's brilliant. Doing that. Yeah, and like you said, it doesn't have to be fancy that, you know, there's there's obviously, you know, your your brilliant page and um, I'll link to it in the show notes, lovely people, so you'll be able to find that. And it is just, like you said, just keeping keeping things simple, um, making sure some of the ingredients go together so that there's good flavours and things. And it's the process too, like you said, that the cake's not always going to turn out the best first time round, but actually take, you know, with a young person taking an hour god if you could even get two hours to to do something in the kitchen with them it's uh you know it's it's learning it's like temperature control yeah. being you know being clean especially in this day and age you know it's so important to obviously teach habits and things around you know cleanliness um and then just getting them to taste things and use their hands and stuff like that too like you said if you know we're maybe very fortunate growing up kind of food food focused and, and cooking from scratch and things like that but it's just trying to you know, give the window to a, to a few people the opportunity to try those kind of things. You know, one snack, yeah. maybe try making something the night before for breakfast the next day. Or, you know, if you planned your evening meal, could you do it together as a family or something like that? And it's just, yeah, that's, you know, that's brilliant. And ultimately, you know, you're going to, without question, you're going to build your, the nutritional profile of your diet because you're going to be, you know, probably using whole food ingredients and, and bringing a bit of a variety too. So you can't really go wrong. You know, people get so much decision fatigue, don't they, around, oh, you know, what should I eat? But actually, if you if you are just cooking anything from scratch, that's already a brilliant start. Yeah, and, and variety is key. Um, a lot of people do struggle when things haven't been introduced into their family lifestyle from a young age. So if you say to them, have maybe cook some courgettes, they, they don't know what to do with them. So just having a bit of an open mind with kids especially, just promoting that open mind and with the other dads that, you know, maybe look on the page and they say, well, well I reckon I can do that too. Because yeah. I don't think I do anything that isn't achievable. I try to stay away from that. Sometimes I really want to do some, some, you know, fancy cooking that is really not achievable in the home. You know, maybe do some frothing and stuff like that. And if I do, I'll be, be sure to maybe put it on a story so yeah. they can see the equipment I'm using. But I really just try and keep it simple so they can 
actually follow on the main page yeah i mean i think it's brilliant i spoke to another chat recently um a guy called james sinclair and he and he's a a, a footballer and and, a, and he's got a, a little baby boy out in sweden um i don't think he's quite one yet and and he's um starting to just basically do now he's kind of a performance nutritionist uh just this friday night fake away on his instagram page and i think that's brilliant he's just putting up a meal that they have as a family because obviously you know they're not going out at the moment anyway and because they've got a young family even if they could they're not going to be going out to restaurants and you know curry night chinese pizza whatever so he's just making that and putting that up and i think you know again a lot of people listening to this it's if you if you start one of these pages and things just do it for you um obviously you know mate you've obviously got this fantastic background and anytime you can showcase your skills it's brilliant so for you it's more like finding the time because obviously you have you have the you know so many recipes and things at your disposal but you know people listening to this it's it's just good that's what some of these pages um you know are for if you're not looking to just follow and and get deep down the rabbit hole i've even got a friend who i work with who's a physiologist and she she started a page on porridge and it's doing so well and she feels you know she's feeling great putting these things up connecting with people using brands of nut butter and i know for most people listening to that it might sound a bit kind of uh, you know i wouldn't do that but i think it's just having the confidence to take pictures and film a bit in the kitchen and you might get a bit of stick but ultimately as 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 we all know people are going to have to make meals now at the moment because we're from home more than ever and people yeah. will look at you know and follow um so so and you know that mate the amount the amount of interaction you probably get for your recipes and things you put up online i'm i'm the same you know i'm no professional chef but anything i put up you know you you people people are are keen even if they don't tell you you can see yeah. them you can see the insights yeah, yeah, on the page yeah. that's, someone's that's tagged it that. that's funny you say that people people are uh, people will won't put any some people message you in the comments to ask you about it and some people fire it in the actual private message and then you find yourself oh right okay if i'm going to get that much private messages about maybe tweaking a recipe i'm going to have to start putting the actual recipe on, on the actual page and that's that's the reason why i started to put the the actual breakdown and try and do a bit of video clips and um plating up or something like that just to keep it keep it simple so any questions can be seen and um, just keep the page fun really mm. keep the page fun yeah my main yeah no you're right and i think that's why i started following like you said because obviously we're both both got a deep interest in nutrition and and um you know we're, we're keen to kind of just show simple quick and easy recipes and things that are fun and um no mate it's been brilliant to get some of your time because i think i'm just i want to i want to kind of showcase what dietitians do more and more um because yeah. you know i'm from the kind of corporate wellness side a bit of private health care which is brilliant you know helping helping people at the end of the day um but it's it's good to shout about what you know what you guys do and um yeah so i think i mentioned it at the start of the show but you know where where are you based you know at the moment mate and, and where, where are you working out of based based in leeds so um working as a community dietitian i cover the the whole of leeds area um and then as dietitians we section that down into different postcodes during during lockdown our postcodes are not needed because we're all working from home yeah um so you know, we, we can just be mobile, which is great. And and like what you said about earlier about cooking from, from scratch and 
just making a few recipes. One of the biggest things is if I have to go back to work, I actually have to prepare a lunch. And I'm so used to just going in the kitchen and sort of like working something together yeah. and not really planning anymore. So planning sort of gone out the window. Yeah. And we just sort of go in the kitchen and just put things together. So yeah, so it's great. And is it obviously, you know, busy with that goes without saying with family and, and like you said, helping for the call, you're saying helping friends and things with, you know, jobs and stuff around the house and things like that too. But when you are in work mode, is it, you know, is it is it back to back kind of online consultations and quick check ins? And it'd be cool to let the listeners know a bit about that. Obviously, you don't have to go into exactly what you do with patients and any kind of confidential stuff, but it'd be interesting to understand, you know, what you're doing and, and are the patients and things adapting? Because obviously, you know, it's a new thing for a lot of a lot of people, especially in older generation, having to use, you know, remote video and stuff. So, so yeah, that, that's a good point. Because at the moment, I have, um, we sort of had to pause some patients from our caseload. So normally I would do presentations on cardiac rehab. Uh, so that's people that have just had a heart attack and they've been, um, they've been discharged back into the community. They, they can opt in and they most likely should have a program where they can, you know, reintroduce things in the community and how to avoid having another heart attack. Wow. So well, we all, I also do a COPD um, group presentation. So that's, um, that, that supports people with their lung and lungs and their breathing. So a lot of the time they have shortness of breath and then if they're not eating well, they typically they can be underweight yeah. or they can be overweight. But our normal day-to-day life now sort of looks like I take my clinic patients and I book them into one day and that I may have the morning when I'm doing diabetes and then the mm-hmm. afternoon I could be doing IBS and it can it can be back-to-back because sometimes if I if I know their reviews I'm, I may back-to-back it because I, I can write them up quicker sort of thing and checking in on them. Mm. But if they're completely new, I may give a bit more time, especially since they've never seen me. They don't know how I sound. They don't know what I look like. That's all taken away. And mm. some, some patients, they just definitely don't want to have a video consultation. So you find, like you said, we've got an elderly population that need required nutrition support, supplement guidance. Mm. And having a video consultation is just not something that they want to do. So they may have hearing problems, so they don't, they don't want to engage in something where they're going to have to look and listen. And often we're, we're talking with family members. So the days can be quite busy, but what I do is I, I separate the clinic patients from which would be the home visit patients. And I just see them at, on an hourly basis. Because what in the community, the, what we find is we, we have a longer process of seeing a patient because we may have to engage with adult social care. Mm. We may have to engage with the nurses because um, we have a thing which we try and prevent pressure ulcers. So I don't know if any of the listeners have seen a pressure ulcer before, but it, if you Google it, it's not good. Mm. And we, we haven't made it one, one to five or so, I think, just double check it once by I've never seen anyone pass a pass the grade two. And we don't normally see them in 
um, in, in such but we're just aware by the notes that they have a pressure also so, yeah. so what that means we need to make their protein intake a lot more higher just to support the recovery so when, when I know I have a patient like that I normally give a bit more time whereas if it's a clinic patient diabetes and I've seen them before mm. it can be a bit more quicker and snappier check in and it might just be a general update on their HbA1c and how they can continue to improve their diet yeah yeah and for people listening to that just quickly that marker mate is a it's more of a longer term look isn't it an average kind of blood sugar over uh, was it roughly three yeah. months the HbA1c so if people are going yeah. usually to the doctors and getting a blood draw if you haven't eaten that's kind of your blood sugar there and then whereas the HbA1c is an interesting marker because um yeah like you said there it's it's something that people might be testing to just see their overall control um a bit yeah. over long term oh, it's, no it's brilliant to get some insights and um I, you know i know i know we could take a deeper dive maybe it'd be brilliant to get you back on and we could pick apart a few especially if we get some feedback from this show and we could pick apart a few kind of you know cases and and how you set things up later on down the line but mate if there's um if there's anything else that um you haven't mentioned that people can be signposted to um, you know, I'll put your Instagram in the show notes. Is there anything else you want to let people know about um, before we before we end the call? I'd say this, um, in gen- in general, um, it's it's great to have this conversation because what what dietetics showed me is there's a huge population of people in the community that are living with poor health, and you know, I'd say that I just want people to know. If, if you're a nutritionist or a health, um, someone promoting good health, I'd just say this, if you do have people in your own neighbourhood, um, just just help people out, just yeah. sign for them. And just, just like Matt, you were saying, um, we do slightly different work in the same field. And it, it's good to know that there's people that are in the community that can help people along the path because we, we often see people transition from poor health to good health, and then they don't need us any, anymore. So when, when we become not needed, they just sort of like continue with their lives and we don't see them again. But it'll be nice to know that we, we signpost people into the areas where they can continue and we can get rid of bad diets and stuff yeah. like that. We can get rid of crash force weight loss ideas. And they can just stay in and you know promote good health in our society. Definitely. That's one of the, one of the key things I, I want people to just continue to promote. It's, it's tough. It's tough in the world of of the online going viral with bad diets and stuff like that. But I'm, I'm pretty sure that at one stage we're gonna yeah definitely yeah there's more longevity in that i mean i think i think you know promoting good health in our society is a, is a brilliant place to leave it at the moment um and uh like i said i'll you know i'll link to um the instagram and things that we were talking about lovely people um thanks so much for listening and um yeah like, like, like we said there it's, it's good to have these conversations and hopefully it gives you a bit of a window into um you know a hard-working professional chef background and um you know community kind of dietitian support role background and um no mate look thanks very much for your time and um yeah if you listen lovely people and you like the show please share it with someone um by the time this one's out i hopefully will 
will uh, have, have got past 25,000 listens. So um, it's something that, look, I do on the side of work. I connect with people on Instagram um, and basically just we have a chat and, and it's it's really enjoyable and I make good friends and contacts out of it. So thank you for um, coming along and um, yeah, have a healthy week and, and speak soon.